I've been saying to you that what we're doing in Mark chapter 7 is related to uh, Romans 14. I said in Romans 14, uh, the whole idea of Christians getting along was the, uh, the, his basic intent. He was uh, trying to eliminate this friction that exists among Christians because from one end of the spectrum you have the legalist and from the other end of the spectrum you have those who, uh, uh, that he would call the, the strong, the weak and the strong. He, he used that language a lot. And, um, and so he was trying to sort it all out so that, the, that, the, um, that our expression of Christian living could go on with great harmony. And so uh, he identifies a couple of enemies, which he, he labels the um, uh, Actually, an act, I think Jesus would have too. That there, there was um, certainly one way to not flesh out one Christ. Uh, was legalism, and we have been spending a good deal of time on on that. And um, last week, um, you may recall, we uh, I tried to list several texts for you about how the the New Testament uses the term grace, and and um, I tried to uh, give kind of a full orb view of what how the Bible used the term and what it meant. Um, and then I told you, as you may recall. Um, that the word that best summarized for me, and, I, and by no means was I saying that's the, the, the best word, but the best word for me was the word freedom. And I use it as a synonym, and I, and I talked about being free from the law and free from, free from the, the fear that I wasn't right with God and, and uh, free to obey and all that business. And then I told you last week, I said something like this. I said, I hope that you'll be back tonight because really uh, what you got last week um, is, is an imbalanced picture, and, and, and I want to try to balance it up tonight. Uh, and <clears throat> my temptation is to go too fast, <laughs> and I may really slow down tonight because it, it's, um, I, do, I am eager to promote grace, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm eager to promote grace. What I was saying to you is that last week I said I wanted you to come back because um, I, I, I presented to you uh, one way that, that you are not to flesh out your life in Christ. And we, we call it legalism, and I tried to show you what grace was, and I gave you this synonym uh, that I think is a good one, freedom. But it's not the only one. In fact, there was a couple of you that offered other synonyms that were good, good suggestions. That's just the one that I like. One of the things that grace means to me is freedom. <clears throat> okay. But I played with you to come back. Because that's just one way, guys, that you are not to flesh out your, your life in Christ. There is another. Um, <clears throat> and to arrive at the right position, you've got to avoid two extremes. Now, I've told you this story before, but um, in Greek mythology... Um, there was something in the, in the Mediterranean Ocean called Scylla and Charybdis. Um, if you ever... Uh, Scylla and Charybdis. Uh, yeah. And I forget which one was which. One was a rock and one was a whirlpool. Now, I might have those backwards, so, um, uh, you know, you can look that up. Um, <clears throat> but in Greek mythology, as you were steering your boat in the Mediterranean, you had to avoid t- 
two things. You had to, you had to avoid Scylla, the rock, or you would dash the boat and be ruined, or Charybdis, or you'd be sucked under and be ruined as well. So you had to steer a course between both of these. As a result of that piece of Greek mythology, um, there, there's a lot of guys, uh, Francis Schaeffer used to do this, would f- refer to this, to this problem uh, as it refers to theological matters. I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, and, and when, when we're going to express and live out our Christian life, there is a Scylla and there is a Charybdis. There, there are errors on both ends of the spectrum, and you've got to steer between them both. You've got to avoid being a legalist. Yes. And, and yet, folks, when I use the word freedom like I did last week, the tendency is to say, freedom, oh boy, okay then, freedom, yes. And so out we go to live uh, something that is, that is going to be just as destructive because you erred on one end of this, um, this, uh, this continuum. Because you went, you know, oh, it's freedom, okay, I don't have to the law, okay, well then whoop, there we go. And we're, we're out there celebrating our freedom. When in fact, ladies and gentlemen, that is as much an aberration as is legalism. There's two things to avoid. You've got to avoid the, the, um, the extreme of legalism, which was the era of the Pharisees. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a new one. And, and, um, and it, it is mentioned in the New Testament. We'll look at it later on. But um, there's, a, there's another extreme, and, and I'm going to introduce a word to you, but I've used this word up here before. It's not, I've used it several times, but it may be new to you. The other end of the spectrum is what's called antinomianism. And guys, I, I'm telling you in a lot of ways, this is important stuff. This, I mean, uh, it's important not because I'm teaching it, but because... In terms of balanced Christian living, you've got to avoid both. I don't want to be a legalist, and I don't want to be an antinomian. If that's a new term for you, um, let me explain it. It's just a combination of a couple of words, anti-against. This is from the Greek word nomos, which means law. Uh, and an antinomian is one who is against the law. He loves this idea of freedom. Oh, does he ever? Freedom, that's, her. that's where I want to be. woo and so his, his spiritual pendulum swings to this, to this extreme of freedom, and, and that is just as much of an error as is expressed in the life of the legalist who's got laws for everything and rules for everybody and wants to make his rules, his laws, your rules. Now, guys, um, uh, whereas there may have been some who sought to save themselves by obedience to the the Ten Commandments, Um, antinomians saw that as foolishness. That can never happen. And so they swung to the other end of the spectrum, to the other extreme, saying that the law had absolutely no role to play at all. In any way, in any shape or form, I mean, you're never going to be saved by the law. That's true. But then to go another step and say, there is no place for law 
in the life of the believer because we believe in grace. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not grace. Grace is full of law. Now, and that's what I want to show you tonight, guys. Do you see what I mean? If you, if you take that word freedom and go too far and you say, oh, I'm free from all that. No laws for me. What you've done is you've just slipped into antinomianism. You, you weren't ruined on the rock of Scylla. You were ruined on the whirlpool of Charybdis. You didn't steer a, a, a sane and biblical course. Oh, no, no, no. You took part of this and you went, oh, too far. Guys, to be an antinomian is to abandon all law for any use. And thus, uh, you, become, you become a patron of, um, of lawlessness under the mask of grace. That is, in the name of grace, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. My my favorite illustration, I've told you this illustration before, but to me it's just, it's mind-boggling. The the group of guys, uh, seminary students, who want to have their Bible studies at Hooters. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is an abuse of grace. It's to ignore that there is law in grace. I want you to see this, guys. Um, uh, This shouldn't be hard to find. It's in the next to the last book of the Bible. It's in the book of Jude. And when I say Jude 4, I don't mean chapter 4, because there's not but one chapter. But I'd love for you to see this. Jude 4. It's the fourth verse in the book of Jude. Uh, Get to the end of the Bible and then go back a little bit before the the book before the uh, last one. Listen to what Jude says in verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and thus deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that, guys. They pervert grace into sensuality. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, having your Bible studies in Hooters is a perversion of grace and it is a promotion of sensuality. Don't call that grace. It is grace gone to seed. It is grace that's a denial of grace. That's why it was so important, as I said last week, for you to be back here tonight. Because I promoted grace with all of every fiber of my being, say it's freedom, and I love the freedom. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, I said to you this. I, I said um, that if we're, gonna, if we're going to live obediently, then we need to consult with Jesus, not the rule book. I said that. That's a quote. Don't consult the rule book. Consult Jesus. Okay, let's do some of that tonight. What do you say? Let's consult Jesus. Um, Got your Bibles with you? Uh, Let's go to John 15 first. John 15. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is no rule book. We're going to go to the 
We're going to go to the horse's mouth. That's a terrible thing to call Jesus a horse. But I mean, I, I'm using that as, a, as just, you, I hope you forgive me. Okay. Uh, John 15, 14. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Oh my, there are some commands? Yeah, afraid so. Now, the difference, ladies and gentlemen, is that they're Jesus' commands and not yours. I don't care about your rule book, but I do care about his. Stay with me right there in John 15. Well, go back a chapter to John 14. John 14, verse um, 15, where Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Commandments. Commandments, ladies and gentlemen. There is law. There is law embedded as an integral part of grace. Let, let, me, let me give you a couple examples uh, of some of his commandments. Go to Matthew chapter 12. I love this one. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are consulting with Jesus. That's all I'm doing. Uh, we, uh, I said, don't consult the rule book, consult with Jesus. Okay, that's what we're doing. Here's something that Jesus says, and he says it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word. Okay, so apparently, one of the rules issued by Jesus which is a demonstration of glorious grace, is that I'm supposed to watch how I talk. I am not free to say anything that I want to say. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, <clears throat> there's my wife. I hope she's asleep. Um, but I'm telling you, I have been in discussions. I, 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 I swear to you, I have been in discussions where ordained clergy have told me that if I want to be relevant with the generation of today, then all I, well, what I need to do is to drop the F-bomb every now and then in my, in my instructions. Are you all ready for that? Here we go. <laughs> That'll wake you up, wouldn't it? I mean, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, do you think that's, do you think that's Grace? That's nonsense. And yet, I mean, without a, without a moment's hesitation. I mean, just... No. No. I don't need to consult the rule book. I can consult Jesus. And he says that every idle word. Um, that's not just an idle one. That's kind of a filthy one. How about verse 50 of the same chapter? For whoever does... The will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What? What? You mean there is a will of God out there somewhere expressed that I need to know as, my, as I try to live out a life of grace? Yes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Grace, I, I don't want to say is full of law because it's not. But there's law to it. There is a backbone to law. 
and your sloppy, slovenly, trifling living is not grace. It's sloppy, slovenly, trifling living. That's what it is. Don't call it grace. It's not that. Because the one who has a right to issue commandments says, "Mm, you want to be my friend? Then you ought to obey my commandments. If you love me, that's what you'll do. And by the way, you want to be my brother, sister, and mother? Then, Then do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Gang, one of the absolute contradictions to grace is legalism. But let me give you another one. Another contradiction of grace. I, I mean, let, me, let me rephrase myself. One of the contradictions of grace is an emphasis on law. And another contradiction of grace is a de-emphasis of law. It's just a question of where you get the law. I don't get to issue it. I don't get to define it. I don't get to make it. But the Lord Jesus does. And so I am called to consult with my lawgiver. Gang, that's not, that's not overturning grace. That's establishing grace. So you take that freedom word, and, and as I said to you last week, one of the things that we're free to do is that we're free to obey. Guys, grace has law, but never is the law meritorious. It was not meritorious to save us, and my law-keeping doesn't make me a better or more loved by God. And, and, and because it can't save me in that, in that sense, I'm free from the law. It can't save me. But knowing that, I'm free to obey the law. Ladies and gentlemen, how is it that any of us think that we're going to please the Heavenly Father. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that he has given us some pretty decent specifics as to how we might do that in terms of law. Gang, um, I've got, I don't know, 11 minutes left, and I think I can do this in 11 minutes, but... I don't want to hurry through this because I think this is pretty important. Gang, in, in theological circles, in theological dialogue and debate, it is pretty much agreed upon that the law, and when, I, and when, I, when I'm using the term law, I'm talking about the Ten Commandments, okay? The Ten Commandments have three functions. There are three legitimate functions of the law. The first legitimate function is something called the um, pedagogical. 
the pedagogical use of the law. Um, the, the, the great text is in Galatians 3.24. And very honestly, if you've got a New English uh, version of the Bible like I do, they botched it. They botched it on, on, um, uh, on Galatians 3.4. Because every other translation, I, I listed the ones, the New King James, the New American Standard, the NIV, all uses the term, they, they use the term tutor. That's found in that verse. But the, why the ESV did this, I don't know. Uh, so then the law was our guardian. I checked in every lexicon that I have, in, and not one time did I see any lexicon use the term guardian. Um, in, in fact, I, I, went to, I, I went to look at the, 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 the Greek word. The Greek word is pi, let's see, um, pidegogos. Pideon, I don't think that I is in there. I think it's just, uh, I don't think that I is in there. And that's an iota. This is the word child. And uh, agogos, that's right, that, that, uh, that's not in there. That I is not in there. That agogos, have you ever heard that before? Yes, you have. A synagogos, a synagogue, or a pedagogue, or the pedagogical. Do you know what the, the, the Greek word means? It's, um, it's a child leader. A, a, um, a gogos means to lead. It's, lead. it's leading. A synagogue is leading together. A pedagogue is one who leads children. The pedagogical use of the law is that it led, it took some children and it led us. It took us by... The, the law did this. The law took a bunch of ignoramuses like us and, and gently instructed us as to our need for a Savior from the law. Ladies and gentlemen, how did you get convicted of your sin? Well, because the law told you that, that, was, that it was bad. Um, I mean, you thieves, you liars, you adulterers. Where did we learn all that? Well, we learned it from the law. And the law says, well, I mean, once we looked at the law and the law said, well, you're not supposed to do those things. And we said, well, well <laughs> I did those things. I, I, I do those things. And then somebody says, yes, but there's a Savior from your violations of the law. The law functions as a tutor. It functions as a child leader. There is a pedagogical use of the law. Okay? Now, having come to Christ, that use is over. There is a second use of the law, which is called its civil use. And that is, the law, it, it functions to restrain lawlessness. Ladies and gentlemen, just about every culture that I know of has the law woven into it. You know, you can't murder in the United States. Now, of course, you can commit adultery, and that's really promoted. Um, but, I mean, the law, it was in place to try and restrain civil unrest or lawlessness. 
But it's the third use of the law, guys. It's the third use that, that means something, and it's, and it's called um, the normative or moral use of the law. Guys, what, what, what is meant by the normative or the moral use of the law is that the law defines for us a right obedience to God. It gives us guidelines for a life of love. Do you want to know how to express love for God? Tell the truth. Don't covet. Get yourself a job and work. Don't steal. By the way, I should say this too. Ephesians 4 is full of law. Full of it. Go read it. But back. You want to know how to express your love for this God? He tells you. Because he's telling you things that are true about him. The God that we love is, is a lover of truth, ladies and gentlemen. So every time, every time you tell something that's not the truth, every time that we tell something that's not the truth, it's a violation of his nature. I'm simply saying there is law in Christianity. And, and guys, I'm the one that taught you last week, freedom, yes. And I am free. Part of my freedom is that I'm freedom to obey the law. Now, how am I enabled to obey it? That's an entirely different question. And we could spend another 45 minutes on that concerning the, the, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that gives me the ability to say no to my flesh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not, I'm not trying to teach that tonight. I'm simply trying to say to you, if you think that your wild-eyed expressions of freedom is your newfound grace, you missed it. You missed it. But... If you think a proper expression of love for Jesus Christ means that all you can do is go obey the, the rules that you got over at your church, you missed it too. Because you see, guys, both legalism and antinomianism, both of those, both of those things are opposites. Opposites to grace. The, the only escape from either of them is grace. But I can tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, the tendency among us, well, okay, well, you know, we want to have freedom over here. Yes, sir, and we, wanna, we don't want to violate the law. Okay, so we'll just take a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and we'll just kind of mix them, and, and we'll come to this happy medium. That is not grace either, ladies and gentlemen. That's a, that's a combination of some flesh and some combination of some more flesh, and you mix it all together, and you get big flesh. They're both. They're both antithetical to grace. Grace is, grace is not either one of those, ladies and gentlemen. And it is not a mixture of both of them. Kind of a 
half and half. No, it's not that either. We're not done. We'll come back and give some more definition as we proceed. Let's quit. <clears throat> Our Father, would you, would you um, enable us to live with a, with a measure of balance in our efforts to express our love for you. Um, enjoying the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus and enjoying it in such a way as the Savior himself has dictated. Might we find ourselves friends of this Savior? Might, might we be people who find ourselves expressing love rightly in obedience. And then, Father, we give you great thanks that you have not left us to, to wonder. You have given us instructions, not simply in the Ten Commandments, but just like those careless words, those idle words. Uh, we thank you that the Lord Jesus has expressed fully and richly, the kind of life that he would have his beloved live as we seek to express our love for him. We make our prayer tonight, of course, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.